0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Biggie's here for sure. Yep. Glad to be here, man. Sean Bajani, that is me. He is Adam Spillane. Uh, one of the reasons why I love doing the crosstalk in the morning with uh, Pendergast especially is because I have things planned. I have things set. I know where I want to go. And then he brings something up and then I say, the hell with it. Yeah. I got to get to this. Yeah. I got to get to this, especially with baseball Spo. Um, My man. Both of you guys, really, I mean, I know, Sean, you're trying to get the hell out of here. I don't know. Are you going to go take a nap? Do you ever sleep, by the way? No, no, no. I don't nap. Okay. I, I, I can't nap. I'm incapable of napping, and I'm going to donate blood at 1030 today. I'll be de- Dude, you're going to be drained. Yeah, I know. Like, we're we were doing the show them. last night and we're monitoring social. You and Amy are out having an anniversary dinner. Looked like a lovely evening. Thank you. And I'm like, this sucker does not sleep. Like, Don't. he's going to go home, watch the Rockets, maybe watch the Rocket rerun or some
2: Astros or what have we're you. We're
1: going out again for our anniversary tonight. Look at you. Where are you? Because it's Friday. We're going to Mastro's tonight. Mastro's. What's a Caraba's? Buttercake. Butter huh?
2: Buttercake. Bring, bring some back.
1: Blueberry buttercake.
2: I just go the regular Oh way. Yeah, they
1: do the blue. But, the, dude, the butter cake at Mastro's is, that's a Mount Rushmore dessert. Oh, yeah, dessert easily. For sure, yeah, yeah. So that's what I got going on. I got, yeah. Otherwise, I'd sit here and give you hot takes Damn on Damn it, Grammar. now you got me sidetracked again. That's all right. Yeah, now you want butter cake. Yeah, I mean, you. I, from I actually, do. <laughs> <laughs> and you got me thinking, like, where's the last great piece of butter cake that I've had? And I can't remember. I feel like it was homemade, actually. I feel like it was homemade, but I mean, you got me burning on like the Barkley stuff now because I did not know that was both of you and Seth's stance. But you bring up Fromber Valdez and Yaspo like as if we should be concerned about Fromber in this instance as opposed to being concerned about the guy that should be calling the damn pitches and Yiner Diaz. Like, what does that say about him? I almost feel better about Fromber Valdez maybe doing this, taking over that responsibility because. It's seemingly something that he would be comfortable with, like a little less stress on the mound
2: because he's got the plan. He knows what he wants to do. Yeah, it's it's just different. And so you just kind of have to see how it looks when they actually do it. Uh, does it wind up helping him? You know? So I don't know. It's all very, very new. Exploration time. That is Well, that's what spring training, training is. Yeah. Spring training is the time to see what works, what doesn't work. And if he likes it, if he's comfortable with it, then great. If he's not, then I think that he will have no issue trusting Yainer Diaz to call pitches for him. But, again, we'll have to kind of wait. I don't think it says anything about Yainer I mean, he said um, in the story that Chandler Rome wrote for The Athletic, he said it had nothing to do with, with Maldonado not being there. It was yeah. just something that he wanted to try. And Pitchcom allows you to do this now because – before, like, you can't really signal what the pitch that you want to throw when you're on the mound. Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of could. That Granky would like explore explore it every I now and say there. if you're you're like th- holding up fingers that, that's a little too easy to pick up. Or Grinky would just be like, "Hey, fastball." But <laughs> but now with PitchCom, obviously the catcher is able to make the signals to the pitchers. But then you have the two way where the where the pitcher can actually make his own calls with the catcher. And so I do wonder if that's something that you might see. Not just with the Astros, but I, I wonder if more pitchers start to do this, especially veteran pitchers yeah. that want to feel like they are more in control of what they're actually calling. Because and don't forget, there's also the pitch clock that gets involved. And so, if you as a as a pitcher, if the catcher is running through signs and you don't like the first pitch and you don't like the second pitch, and then finally you find what you want on the third pitch, well, then you got to hurry up and throw. You know, so if you're a pitcher and you know what you want to throw, you can go ahead and call that pitch and then you can go through everything and you can take your deep breaths and all that stuff on the mound. So I think the pitch clock also has something to do with this why you might see more pitchers go to this. Because I remember it was last year when we were in spring training, and I, th- I think it was Luis Garcia. And Garcia was like, like in a full count for, on, during his first spring training start. And he and whoever caught him I, I don't remember who the catcher was that day, but whoever was catching him. Uh, they could not get on the same page with the pitch, and the pitch clock is is ticking down, and then he said, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to throw a fastball. Mm -hmm. And so he threw the fastball. That's not a great way to go about things. And then what happened? (laughs) Uh, He got the strikeout, actually, on that pitch. But you don't want, like, that worked then, but that's not something that you want to consistently be in that position to where... You're just throwing a pitch and you're oh, no. hoping that, that your catcher can catch it.
1: I mean, I think that in and of itself is what you're most concerned with a guy like Framber Valdez specifically about is, you know, somebody that is not in control, that does feel rushed, that needs to take those deep breaths, that has to collect himself at times uh, in particularly high leverage situations um, when there's trouble brewing. Um, we'd seen that kind of come to a head last year and be an issue where it was in the past, but he had been able to figure it out the year prior. Um, yeah, I think that is definitely something to monitor. But who, uh, by the way, um, well, before we get to this, let me set this up a little bit. If you want to follow us uh, on Twitter, you can hit us up at Sean Bajani at Adam Spillane. Let me give you all the different ways you can be a part of the show today because uh, once I do get settled and I'm kind of comfortable right now. I'm sitting in Lopez's seat. Kind of liking it, by the way. Um, though I don't know how, like Lopez turns around about seventy five times during the show to, to look at Figgy. You know what you need? We need like one of those mirrors right here. I need a mirror behind Spose. Like so put a see. spoon
2: on the on <laughs> the <spoon>? monitor.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me turn my camera to like reverse angle and see if that helps with Fig. No, there's a reflection. That's poor. <laughs> um, but you can hit us up, 713-572-4610, 572-4610. You can be a part of the show that way, call, text, all that good stuff. Twitch, YouTube, you can see our beautiful faces, all that good stuff. I was just going to ask you, as uh, we kind of transition to football here in just a moment, um, who's responsible on the staff that handles catchers most? You know, you've got your infield coaches, you got your guys They that have a catching on the coach. outfields. Who is that guy? Michael Collins. Michael Collins. Australian fella. Australian fella. Hmm. He's got an interesting story, I'll bet. Uh, Australian fella in baseball coaching catchers.
2: Well, he he was on their world baseball he was on their world baseball classic coaching. Actually, this is a true story. So I went to the World Baseball Classic in seventeen in Tokyo. And for Japan is playing Australia, and I knew one of the Australian players. He was mm-hmm. with me, uh, with the Rockies uh, way back in the day. Um and so for this game I'm sitting right behind first base. And I'm sitting right behind the first base coach's box, and I've got a million pictures of, of, like, you know, videos of, like, pitches being thrown. And Michael Collins was the first base coach.
0: Ha! So, that?
2: small world. And then, of small course, he wound up coaching, for, uh, uh, joining the Astros coaching staff. And yeah. There Aust- was, there, uh, Australia's, there's not, like, a ton of Australian baseball players, but it, it's not a, they have an Australian winter league, because Australia is, our winter is summer in Australia, so it's a great time for baseball out there. So you'll get a lot of minor leaguers, That will go and play in the Australian Winter League. I know some coaches that have coached there. I know some players that have played there. So we're
1: going to get to the point to where the Australian Winter League is rivaling the Venezuelan Winter League. (laughs) We will not get there. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so either, man. Uh, We've got a good show for you coming up. A lot of football, obviously. The Combine uh, very much underway. And uh, I think... um, the drive talked to Will Kunkel of Fox 26, who's out there covering uh, for Fox and had some really interesting nuggets on the combine yesterday during the drive. Last night, we talked to Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com. He had some really cool things to say. Um, it has got the Texans taking a defensive end out of UCLA. Uh, I call him Lale Lale because he's got a very difficult name to pronounce. Uh, you can't say it very fast. Lyle Lyle Latu, defensive end out of UCLA. He's UCLA got a, had a
2: really good defense last year. Yeah, they so, did. That guy's got a hell
1: of a story, by the way. We talked a lot about that if you want to check it out on uh, the show page um, with Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com. Today we're going to be joined, as I guess you guys have been doing this every day, Figgy. Yeah, all week. Uh, with Cody Stutz. Yep. HoustonFootball.com also has great content uh, regularly on YouTube. Cody's a badass, covered Texans with them all this past season, does a fantastic job. He'll join us at 1240, correct? Yep. So looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, I imagine we'll be pretty liberal on the uh, time because I guess things can be sort of in flux with uh, availabilities and you got to get who you got to get when you got to get them. Uh, when you're in Indianapolis covering Combine and all that good stuff, you never know what he might be into at the time. But at some point, we do know in and around 1240, we'll talk to Cody Stutes about uh, what he's observed, what he's learned, what he's hearing at the Combine, who the Texans are meeting with. They've met with a lot of guys already. Have you seen this? I've been trying to keep track of the list that Cody reports on every day via you know Twitter and Aaron Wilson and those guys. A lot of cornerbacks.
2: You intrigued at all by that? Um, no, th- not really. I mean, it, it is. you just meet with whoever's there, mm-hmm. and I imagine that they have their board. I think they know probably what direction that they want to go in, but also at the same time, I would trade the pick. You'd trade 23? I would trade 23 in a heartbeat.
1: Trade down, get
2: more picks? No. We'll get a guy who's going to help you right away. Okay. you know is going to be good right away.
1: Okay. Well, I was going to ask you that question a little bit later, and you've answered that very clearly now. I guess I will save a little meat on the bone. But I, I would be, and,
2: I, I would be interested to know because, like you said, there, there's a list of all the of all the guys they've interviewed. Then they can bring in what 32 guys, 30 guys that they can bring in for like formal visits, yeah, uh, and, and meet with. I think those tend to be more important than the combine uh, interviews more than anything else. But I, I would like to go through just like how many of the guys that they drafted last year, in the year before that, and the year before that are guys that they really never had any sort of background with. Because you don't have to, I think it helps to interview some of these guys and to spend some time with them. But I don't think it's necessarily the be-all, end-all.
1: No. I mean, look, it's fact-finding. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just being over-prepared as opposed to being under-prepared. Because I also think about it like this.
0: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: If you can start a file on a guy before they're even in the league, fantastic. Because in four years' time, hell, in two years' time, if they flame out, by a team that maybe drafted him in the second, third, fourth, seventh round. Who knows? You know what? I like that guy. There was something to him when we talked to him at the Senior Bowl or something to him when we talked to him uh, at the Combine. And you've got at least that much more intel on a guy at that point in time than, than, than rather not. So I think it's as much about that as anything else.
2: These guys are so coached up, though by their agents and their agencies, and they know exactly what to say a lot of times. Sure. They know exactly what's coming. That's why I... But you know who can cut through all the BS?
1: A guy like D'Amico who's been there, done that, maybe. understands it. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got a that, little that's bit... That's why,
2: uh, for me, I, I, I would be much more interested, not necessarily in talking to the prospects, but talking to their college coaches, not, not the head coaches, the coordinator or the position coach, their teammates, other guys like that, because a lot of times... Those guys aren't going to be coached, and they're going to be honest with you. And, and yep. they know those guys really, really well. They've seen how they've worked. They've seen the work ethic uh, because that stuff matters. Like, I, I think one of the biggest things when you're drafting a player, the biggest attribute is does he love to play? Does he love to play? Does he love to compete? Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised. There are a lot of guys who it turns out they don't really love to play. It's just something that they've been good at.
1: You're absolutely 110% right. And that's something that I've learned more and more about in the years covering, you know, really all sports, but particularly football. I hear more about this in football than anything else. Like, you know what? It's, it's a job. It's something I have to do. It's not necessarily something I want to do. I've heard that way more times than I ever anticipated for a professional athlete to kind of have that sort of mentality. And I know for a lot of people like us, Boy, what a beautiful problem. Like, damn it, that's just something you got to do, huh? <laughs>
2: you know, I don't think people can relate to that at well, all. It's, I mean, it's, it's not an easy job. Like, it's a well-paid job, but it's not an easy job. And if you don't love to do it, then you're just not going to be good at it at the highest level. Like, you can be – if you don't love to play football, you can still be really good at it in college because mm-hmm. the competition isn't the same. But if you don't love to play football – It doesn't matter how – you can be extraordinarily talented and you can have some success in the NFL, but you're not going to be great at it against NFL-type competition of of guys who are frankly just going to work harder than you. So that's – to me, if I'm talking to these these players, I want to gauge an idea of how much they love to play, but then again, I also want to check with their coaches. Like, hey – does this guy really love to play? Does this guy is this guy the most competitive guy in the sure. room? Because I think that stuff matters a lot of times it more does. than the measurables do.
1: But sometimes you got to cut through the BS from the coach too. You know, it's just you've got to talk to anybody and everybody you possibly can in, you know, trust your gut so to speak, you know, uh, Ask ask questions. I mean, you can't ever ask too many questions. I mean, and I say, look, you got to cut through the BS with the coaches, too, because they want to do nothing more than prop up their players, which ends up propping up their players. might not like that player. Uh, sometimes, but you know what? Like, at the end of the day, does it behoove you to talk down about a body player or re- rather remain fairly neutral on a guy? Or, I mean, not saying. though, because... you don't though, like the guy, you
2: don't have to slander them. You might have a better relationship. Like, D'Amico Ryans, I'm sure, has friends who are college coaches. Sure. And they're going to be honest with him. Like, they probably like D'Amico more than they like the players. And it's the relationship yeah. that counts, that matters
1: in that, in that case. But not all of them have really any relationship at times with some of these newer coaches in the NFL. D'Amico's a little bit different. He's a hybrid guy, right? He played. Uh, they know him from college. But, they know him like, from.
2: Let's say Texans' position coach X has a relationship with X universities. Ex, you know what I mean? Sure. So, like, you yeah. go on down the line, and every, and you get everybody involved mm-hmm. when it comes to the draft. It's not just the GM, the scouts, and the head coach. Right. It's everybody. And right. It, it takes, it's a group. It's groupthink, essentially. Yeah. No, I think it's an excellent point.
1: Uh, you know, you talk talk about cutting through the BS, man. Uh, I, w- I want to play this little bit of audio for you because uh, you think you know this guy. Some of you still aren't necessarily believing that you uh, or the Texans maybe really know who this guy is. Maybe you need to see more from him. Nico Collins was on a... Um, it was. Do you call it a podcast, Figgy? Yeah, I would say it's a podcast. It's a podcast it's, on yeah. the Fubo Sports Network uh, this week. I didn't know that was really a thing, but it is, and I might explore actually going the Fubo route. But nevertheless, Nico Collins weighed in on his contract status, entering into the final year of a rookie deal, talking extension. What does he think is uh, going
0: to happen,
2: man? To be honest, I haven't really even talked to my agent about it. I mean, I kind of know um, that like it's my end of my third. You know, what I'm out I'm for you know a free agency, but in my head, man, I'm like. I'm locked in to where I, I feel like I, I need another year to prove to everybody what I can do, you know? Because I miss, I feel like, really, the first two years I had was due to injuries. I feel like that wasn't my best meet, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like after this year, kind of like, all right, just show them a little bit, boom. And I feel like this year, just, I feel like it's going to be a little better year, man. Just just mentally, uh, physically, I uh, know what to expect. I'm um, learning, getting better, growing throughout the, throughout the year. Um, just learning the game better and you know? uh but you know if it comes come early it come early you know but I feel like my mind says just just go ball and just let it play out uh, play out
1: sounds very much like a guy that is betting on himself I, do you, I, I want to isolate that cut we'll, we'll we'll do it later on in the show figgy but I mean I think this is something until there is news that breaks about the Texans and Nico Collins um, agreeing on a contract extension, if that's this offseason, if that's next year. I think that is a, a little clip that is going to be very interesting to hold on to and maybe play repeatedly throughout the year. And I'm talking about when he says, quote, I'm up for free agency next year, but in my head I'm locked into where I feel like I need another year to prove to everybody what I can do, end quote. I thought that was fascinating. Well,
2: it, it means that if I have another year next year, like I did this year, I'm going to really cash in. Yes. And that's, I think, what he's kind of hoping for. Now, unfortunately for him, the NFL has the the franchise tag. Mm-hmm. And if he does turn in a year next year, like he did in 2023, then he's going to get tagged. Like sure. That's an automatic tag. Well, what's that
1: franchise tag for a wide it's receiver pretty good. this like, year? It's yeah, still it's like- good,
2: but you don't have the freedom to go out and try and get your own deal. But that being said, he still would put himself in great position, and I'm sure the Texans would like to get something done with him uh, if that were the case. But it's one of what he is telling you right there is that he's not going to take what his market value would be right now. He mm-hmm. wants to go out and have another monster year, and then go out and get what his market value.
1: 100. And I I love that from his standpoint because that we talk about relatability. Um, and I know, look, this is very much uh, you know business decision-driven uh, on his part, certainly. But that is something that we can relate to. If you were out on Nico Collins, out on this receiver core like many people were coming into this season, and he puts up almost doubles, and in fact, in some cases, tripled and quadrupled, the level of production this year that he'd had in either one of his previous two seasons. Fantastic. C.J. Stroud, Bobby Slowick, you know the whole bit. Had everything to do with it. And just being in a better system with better coaches and some semblance of a direction um, with with the trajectory headed upward, way up. I, I love the fact that he's wanting to bet on himself. I love the fact that the Texans could very well be having to make a decision this time next year on paying a legitimate number one wide receiver. Seven one three five seven two four six ten. Coming up next, if there was any question, by the way, the Texans were not now a destination for uh, top flight free agents. I think you got the answer yesterday very clearly. We'll talk about it next on in the loop at sports radio six ten.